yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Really good at playing dead. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 225 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, oh, and I know it's I basic, but until the day I die... There you go, call it. <laughs> I'll spill my heart for you. Well, like a prostitution type way. Anyway, this week's guest is frontman, songwriter, um, bouncer. Avid bouncer, and I don't mean in the stopping you from going into clubs, I mean jumping up and down, very, very um, energy-filled ah. front man, Dan Masala of the Mighty Story of the Year. Yes, scene staples, whether you're into emo, pop-punk, post-hardcore, or fucking crazy flips and tricks on stage, Story of the Year have been a vital entity to crossing over those alternative worlds for the last 20 years. A band with sing-along moments and emotional hooks ingrained into their DNA from their debut album Page Avenue to their new record Tear Me to Pieces available now on Sharp Tone. Uh, Dan is someone we've wanted on for a while and not only did we get the chance to have a really open conversation a couple of days before the record's release, but a moment of reconnecting for you, Sean, because in 2008... You got to witness these wild stage shows every single night. Uh, in 2008, back when everything was black and white, um, Story of the Year and uh, my old band, The Blackout. That's why we called The Blackout, because at the time, none of us had ever seen colour, because everything was black and white. Uh, we were on tour together in 2008, and it was a good time. We were actually off album cycle at the time, so we weren't meant to be touring or playing any gigs. But um, as you will hear later on in the episode... There's a reason we did it, and uh, we had a great time doing it. So, um, yeah, it was great to see Dan again, reminisce, chat about everything he's been through, and the new album, Tame Me to Pieces, is classic story of the year. So if you like any of the first couple of story of the year records, you've got to love this one because it's class as well. There's a track uh, in particular called 2005, and the video they put up for it is memory-laying really old footage of back in the day in the tour bus 
playing shows and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on but i love this band and it's a really interesting time for them and doing this as a full-time thing again they had the kind of weird periods where they were taking uh, a big break but it's nice to see them doing all this and being very very happy and throughout we're going to talk everything we just mentioned uh, along with embracing dad life some unexplainable tour packages curse of burning out impact of things like the van's warp tour versus when we were young festival how much john feldman impacted their early days hilarious side stories and i even get nerdy with a question about wwe and if you know you know so expect all of that uh, to come throughout this episode but before we get into it just another reminder look we're come fed on. up as come much on. as you are about hearing about this i don't but if we you are, like but, yeah. the bloody podcast and you want to support us head over Please to patreon.com forward slash sapnin yeah go on man go on i can't i can't beg anymore um <laughs> i just want to listen to this episode now so this is Dan oh. Masala on episode 225 of Sapling Podcast. Sapling! <laughs> Sapling! Sapnin! Sapnin! Oh, hey, sa- Sapnin! Oh, <laughs> yes! Did that sound real American? Sapnin! <laughs> Sapnin, y'all! Sapnin, y'all! This week's guest is singer, songwriter, unbelievable frontman, and um, I believe he used to be a drummer as well, the mighty Dan Masala of the brilliant Story of the Year. How are you? I am, I am excellent. That was a lot of great adjectives you used for me just now. Thank you. Um, I'm doing great. Just happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, they were all true. Every one of those was true. <laughs> what, what would you have added to it? What, what adjectives did we miss uh, that I mean, would have I mean, been you better? Didn't, you didn't say good looking, uh, very handsome, uh, hmm. sexy. I mean, come on, man. Let me, I'll write these down. So I'll put them in the intro. <laughs> I'll put them in the intro and outro. Sexy, handsome. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mo. But Dan, how are you doing? So good to see you. This is one we've wanted to, to do for a while. How's uh, things at the moment? How's things in old uh, St. Louis? It's going great. You know, I'm uh, here in the middle of America, just uh, in my basement. So, uh, can't complain. Yeah, you know, getting excited, getting uh, busy again, playing, getting back out and playing music. So, that's that's always exciting. You know, I'm, I'm excited. Nice. When did you, um, yeah, when did you play last? Um, we haven't played for a few weeks, but, uh, we're, we have the hometown, uh, release show going uh, for our new record on Friday. And then we head out to Australia and Indonesia and Thailand and all that fun stuff in a couple or in like a week and a half. So yeah, we're going wow. out with uh, Slipknot on Knotfest. So <laughs> however that makes sense, it's a uh, story of the year with Slipknot and Megadeth. I don't, I don't know, but we're doing it. What? No, I, do you know what? There's, there's part of me that get that gets and understands Slipknot and Story of the Year. Like you know, there are slight crossovers in you know certain moments. Megadeth. Yeah, it's not fest. I don't know. There's a. It's like twenty different metal bands where we definitely don't. Uh, we stand out a little bit on the on the show, but um, but uh, I, I like the challenge. I like I like to be the weird the weird one on the show and have to win people over. So we're doing like headlining sideshows as well. So. 
it's going to be a fun tour. It's going to be cool. But it, it must be cool, like, so far into your career that you still have wild moments like that where you're like, really? We're playing with, like, Megadeth? I mean, it must be cool to, to have those fresh challenges now and again. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, it, it can get monotonous if you just do the, the normal tour over and over again, and you're like, cool, we're headlining, and we're bringing out a friend's band and doing that again, you know? So, yeah, when you get the offer, and it's like, Slipknot, what? Okay, sure. <laughs> it's funny because, yeah, we're doing that, and then, like, a couple months later, we go out with Yellow Card and Mayday Parade. So, it's like, we're on both <laughs> ends of the world right now. It's like, yeah, that's, somehow, yeah, Story of Year works with all these bands. It doesn't make any sense, but... Well, yeah. well, that's that's the thing—the perfect middle ground for uh, yeah. metal and pop punk legends. Yeah. <laughs> we are the most bipolar band in rock and roll. <laughs> Prior to this, what what's the weirdest lineup you you found yourself on before now? Um, yeah, we've been we've done some weird ones. I mean, the festivals and stuff—you just you always play with weird bands, you know. I, we've done a lot of shows uh, with like rappers and stuff. Uh, we did a college show with. I don't know if you guys knew who Mike Jones was, but there was this rapper dude named Mike Jones. I guess he's probably still doing it, but uh, he, he was like one of those like, rawr, 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 rawr. like he literally sang like that, like just didn't say anything, but uh, it was just us and then Mike Jones right after us. And it was, you know, college shows get really weird. I, I, we, we do all kinds. Of, we'll do anything, evidently. We'll play your cousin's birthday party. We'll do, you got money, we're in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good rule to, uh, to follow, but... One thing I did want to mention, I mean, at the moment, it kind of seems like this is a fresh return to being a full-time band again, because there was a couple of years there where you kind of, I don't want to say we're on the break, but we're just doing stuff when you could. You all kind of embraced the uh, the dad life and had families doing stuff uh, in, in the real world. How was it being transitioning back, writing music and getting out there again and do this kind of full-time uh, and getting back into to that side of things? Yeah, that that is uh, that is has been the goal for for a while now. But uh, you know, well, we had to take a break for a little while. We were touring so much for like the first ten years, just insanity. And uh, you know, everybody gets a little burnt out if you do something way too long. So we we didn't purposely go away or anything. But we just yeah, we we took took some time to focus on being family guys and growing up a little bit. But uh, but then we were like, nah, I don't want to be grown up. So I guess we should get back to this. Um, but yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, it's exciting, and, and and you know, at least then you get you can kind of reset your brain, and you can focus again, and you get the inspiration back if you if you go away for a little bit, you know. And so it was kind it was kind of needed, and uh, and it gave us what we needed to to write an, an awesome new record. And now we're super ready and excited about it, and it feels good to be full time doing it again. It's great and awesome, awesome. It definitely is. We got. Uh, <laughs> I know it's. I'm a little full of myself. Well, you know, I'm like no, describing no, my record. No, it's awesome, but. No, absolutely no. You're right too. We um yeah, we got sent a link today, a secret link. Ooh, ooh. and um, ooh. for all we know, those songs might not even be on the album. But it was a bloody good <laughs> like, album. We we heard something that somebody sent us. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the yeah. record. It, it was called uh, S- Slipknot or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it was yeah, what, what people don't know is Slipknot is actually just story of the year with mass. Oh, so. imagine that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I gotta I gotta play twice on this tour. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll be tough on the throat. That'll be tough on yeah. the throat. No, yeah. But when you have moments like that to step away for a little bit, do you think it kind of gives a new energy and appreciation for doing these shows and everything again, like a fresh lease of life in many ways? Yeah, yeah. Especially with you know the state of the world in the last few years, it's uh, when when that all gets taken away and you can't do it, even 
because there was times where we purposely were like, eh, we don't really want to play for a little bit. But then when all of a sudden when you can't do it at all, and it's like, oh shit, I, I'm sorry, I don't know if you can cuss on this thing, but oh, you yeah, can. you can swear, you can, yeah. Can I yeah. fucking say fuck, man? Uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 every word apart from fuck, actually. <laughs> it's only fuck, yeah. Oh, um, shit. But yeah, one, once it's taken away, you're like, shit, man, uh, I really, I need, <laughs> I need this in my life. And yeah, it's like, so yeah, you appreciate it more whenever you, you realize I, I need this, you know, and I can't, can't do it. So. So yeah, it's 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 much more important this time around. It's like okay, let's not mess this one up. Let's do it right. You uh, you talked about burnout, and I mean, as a fan looking back at just just kind of schedules and busy periods of the band's history, I mean, this seems like there were so many times where it was nonstop on the road, traveling the globe. I mean, yeah. just got to look at the, the amount of warp tours you guys have done over the years. Is there any moment in particular? you recall of being like, whoa, this is like too much. Like, did it all come too soon? Like, how, how can you describe those, those times? Because I'm sure loads of people from the outside looking in will go, oh man, you're doing loads of cool stuff. But it is yeah. a, a lot to deal with and it does grind on you a lot on the road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the moment, we were like, oh, we have to do more. We have to do more. And you never like, you never want to stop, you know, because you're just like, you, you want to do everything you can. You get offers and you're like, yeah, we have to do that tour. We want to do that, you know. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden you're like, dude, I, I haven't been home in months and I don't know what, I don't even know where home is. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Um, there was a, a point in 2010 or 11, somewhere in there, uh, we call it the, uh, the Altoona incident, but it was Altoona, Pennsylvania. Um, and we were, we were just burnt out. We were in like the shitty, uh, RV thing that we had rented for this one short tour. And we all were just didn't want to be there. And it was just the only time in our career where like we all were just like, oh my God, what are we doing? And, uh, I, I freaked out and like yelled at the crowd and like, I was like, fuck this fucking place. I was just like freaked out. I, and that, I don't do that. I don't know what happened, but we were just having the worst show. Everything was broke. Like the club, it was just. I apologized and like, you know, it ended up being a, a good show, but, but yeah, I just like, I was like, I can't fucking do this. You know, I just, I had a freak out moment. And uh, after that, that's kind of when we were like, let's go home for a little bit. Let's like chill out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something is not right here. Yeah. Probably best. Yeah. We can either, yeah, we can either chill out for a bit or we can carry on touring and I'll, I will berate every audience <laughs> I ever come across, yeah. which is yeah. what I do. That's literally my, that's always been my gimmick is like, I'm fucking better than you pricks. And um, I'm not. So that's the best bit of bother. So yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I, I could have worked it in, but uh, they, they could tell that uh, that's something wrong with that dude right now. He's, oh no, he means it. Yeah. Oh shit. He means that. There's no, there's no twinkle in his eye. He's genuinely aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know when it's time to, to take a break sometimes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Are there any uh, like rules or just processes now that you and the rest of the guys have to be like, right, let's not overdo it. We need to make sure that we have X, Y, and Z or we have certain breaks and especially like all having kind of families and stuff now. Yeah, yeah. We uh, pretty much all of us have kids and stuff. So um, we we're, our, our manager is always uh, pushing us, but we're like, <laughs> we're like, we don't want to do more than like three weeks, maybe a month tops. It's like, we, we try to keep touring, uh, you know, short, short enough now to where we're not gone more than a month ever. Um, which is hard because then and it's hard to make money if you, you know, put all these stipulations on it. But, but, uh, for our own sanity, yeah, we keep it, we try to keep it balanced and yeah, it's working so far. Good. What was the thing that made you, um, start this record? Like what was, was there a moment where somebody chimed up and was like, guys, we should start a new record? Um, yeah, I mean, we're always kind of writing. Ryan, our guitar player, he writes songs constantly. So I always have some kind of demo from him that like I am writing something for. We probably had like no, not kidding, probably 40 or 50 song ideas like for this record. Cause even since our last record, Wolves, uh, we just, we didn't really stop writing and we, we were planning on just putting another record out really fast. But the, you know, then the world ended and all that shit happened. So, uh, so we kind of took a break and then kind of started, restarted, but. We, we always have songs floating around, but, uh, but our producer, Colin Britton, who did this record, we had a meeting with him at some point in like 2021. And, uh, and that's when we were like, okay, he gets what we're going for and, uh, he needs to do this record. So that was the point where like we started getting together with him and going through songs. And he was like, uh, you got a couple songs here, but, uh, he's like, keep writing. He's like, he's like, and then, uh, we actually did some outside co-writing on this record as well, which we had never done in our career. So. Um, at that point, even though we had 30 or 40 songs, we just started writing with other people and just like, just wrote as much as we could and just got the brains going. And, you know, the more you write, the more it just spills out and it comes, becomes a little more natural. So, uh, most of the songs that are on the record ended up being the ones that we wrote later. There's only a couple that were in the original 30 songs. Wasted a lot of time and then just wrote a whole new record. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got these. Oh, no. It's cool because it's <laughs> It gets more cool stuff out, and yeah, it's, I love, I love it, uh, and we'll always yeah. write songs and put put some of them out, basically. Yeah. How uh, how refreshing was it working with co-writers for the first time? It was awesome to uh, to just hear other people's perspective of, of of your band. You know, it's like we've been doing it for twenty years, and uh, I don't always know what our band is anymore. Like, what where where do we go? What do we do? Like, what do people like? You know, uh, so hearing like especially people who are fans or something or, you know, mutual respect and we're writing together. Uh, it's cool to be like that. Uh, that's not probably what people want to hear from your band. Like, like this is kind of what they like. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. That's what we should be doing. 
So it's good to hear outside perspectives on things all the time because uh, you can get a little stuck in the moment and not understand, not see the bigger picture, you know. Um, so that was really cool. And uh, just, just hearing different ideas and different approaches to songwriting, uh, it makes you think and it makes you, it gets you out of your comfort zone. I, I loved it. It's awesome. Was there any pushback to any of the co-writing or co-writers? Was there any, yeah, people that you brought with or whatever and you were like, oh, I don't know if this is working or... Um, not really, because like the process is so easy. Like we wrote, we also wrote like twenty or thirty songs with people that you know most of them didn't get used. So usually it's just like a few hour session, and like you write something, and if you don't like it, you just don't use it. You know, so there was a lot of that as well. Actually, most of the co-write stuff we did, we didn't end up using either. We did a lot of work without using it. I'm realizing at right this moment, because um, then most of it we kind of wrote a lot of it in the studio in Nashville with Colin, uh, just kind of in the moment, like jamming together. A lot of it was really natural. After all this whole process, I think we our brains were just ready to like, okay, let's do this now. But yeah, it, it's usually a super fun process and, you know, there's nothing negative. If nobody has an ego, it's just like, if this gets used, it gets used, whatever, you know, just have fun. Mm. You joked about um, being the kind of bipolar band between metal, pop punk and all that. And yeah. I feel like there's been so much of that throughout your career where people don't know whether to like label you post-hardcore, emo... I mean, you've been called everything under the sun. I guess now it kind of all fits to, to, together with the way genre doesn't really exist and stuff. Has that ever been a weird thing for you all to deal with because you've been part of many different scenes? So then when you're songwriting, like, do you ever get worried that some of the bits are too much different? Because really, that's part of Story of the Year's DNA is that it, it can mix and flow. Yeah. Yeah, we never knew what to call ourselves. And uh, we, like you said, there's been many different genres. Now it's all emo, which is weird. I'm like, yeah. I don't, this, this is not what emo was. I don't know what, <laughs> no. what you guys are talking about. This is not emo, but uh, but that's fine. You know, you call it what you want. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter to me. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. When we're writing, we don't really think too much. I mean, we know like, okay, we need like, we need a heavy song. and uh, Or we need like, we need a, a big, big chorus, you know? But we don't plan it ahead too much. I guess that's why it's just kind of all over the place. But if we like it, we'll do it. You know, it's like, we're not scared to try anything and uh, we'll go in any direction. And sometimes that's not a great thing. Cause then you're, you get the record done. You're like, Oh, that's what we sound like now. That's different. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you, always, you always have a little bit of, of an idea of what you're doing. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's just fun to not have too many boundaries. It's great. Did you ever um, resent the, genre emo or the term emo because like there was a there was a part where emo was kind of used as a derogatory title for everybody and now like you said it's just a blanket term for everything that's rock i guess yeah it's like it's like goth like it's like oh every if you wear black shirts you're emo you know it's that's all it is now um in the early days when they used to call it screamo at first you know which i guess Mm. Still a term as well, but but it was very much like oh they're those new screamo bands they're they're those idiots who you know wear their mom's jeans or whatever and <laughs> run around <laughs> mom's jeans I don't know that's, uh, that's a band I think it's a, mom a band, jeans, it's a band. yes yes um, but yeah so we didn't like that too much in the early days but but once again you know uh, the only because we we're like dude we're like punk rock dude we're like post hardcore whatever the cool term was you know but we weren't very punk rock either way but. Uh, yeah, it's it's great now to just be like everybody knows what story of the year is pretty much by the at this point. So you, the the terms don't really matter anymore. In the early days, it did. Yeah, I think I saw an enemy article earlier that described you as pop punkers story of the year, and I was like, what? 
Yeah, I'm like, Pop Pop okay, sure. Us and Blink-182, exactly the same band. <laughs> yeah, 100% <laughs> the same band, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, on that note, though, as well, um, one of the tracks from the record I want to talk about is 2005, because I watched the music video earlier, and it's just full of really, like, archive footage of you all on the road back in the day. Did you, like, knew you had all that, like in the bag, some of this you've never used, or did you like? Was there a moment someone found all this? I mean, please walk us through it because <laughs> I find it amazing that you could be sitting on footage like that for like eighteen years and not use it. Yeah, uh, most of it, a lot of it was like was stuff that had not been used, but a lot of it was from like this early EPK thing that we had. We used to give it out to like bands and try to give it to labels and stuff. But it was just like a highlight reel of us playing live and just being stupid idiots, you know, when we were kids. And uh, that is actually the, it was like on a VHS tape, weirdly enough. That's how fucking old we are. But but yeah, we gave the VHS tape to to Goldfinger when we played a radio show with them um, before, you know, before we had done anything in St. Louis. And uh, they actually watched it. I think Darren, the drummer at the time, was like, John, you got to come watch this this video. These kids are crazy and they're from St. Louis. So anyway, then John Feldman called us because of this, that because of some of that footage that's in this, in that video now. Uh, so that's how we ended up getting signed and stuff. Because yeah, we we had a DVD and stuff too. So a lot of the footage is is from some of that. But then Ryan, uh, our guitar player Ryan, he actually edited the whole thing. So uh, he went through and found some other old footage and stuff. And we used to film everything. It was in the times of like when Jackass came out, and you know it was cool to just go out and break stuff and film it and be skateboarders and be idiots and. You know, that, that was that was us. We kind of played music, too, every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, how many memories just flowed back seeing the odd clip from that? I'm sure there's just so many stories that rush back from those early days. Yeah, for that video, we had a whole different idea planned because we didn't, we didn't know if it was going to be weird to, like, be super nostalgic. And, mm. like, if we show all this old footage of us, is this going to make us, like, just look like old dudes now? Or, like... <laughs> So, but when I first saw it, Ryan sent the first draft of it over and I was like, oh my God, this is perfect for the song. And it, yeah, it was awesome for me to even see it. And I was like, man, we've been doing this for a long time and there, we've had some good times. And yeah, it, it was super awesome. Even, even in the band, I was like, I love this video. Yeah. You mentioned John Feldman and you know, we'd be remiss not to talk about him because he's such a big part of the band's story. Like, I even believe he's recommended uh, calling to you as a producer uh, yeah. on on this album but i mean as part of his superstar producing career i feel like the used was his big break with everything discovering them and then you were the next band he really worked with in terms of producing uh, a&r mixing and everything like that what was his effect on you as a band finding your sound and just helping you become a, a, an actual outlet like uh he he was very instrumental in all the things you know uh because like i said he called us out of nowhere from just because of the video he was like okay these guys are have a good live show he's like so and then their songs are not terrible he's like they can all play and he can, that guy can sing all right so um that's that was kind of it he was like i want to make a record with you guys and we we're like ah sweet and uh and the used record had just come out and i was that's the only thing i knew I, he did mess before that and you know maybe a couple little things but but I was like, oh, he's the guy who did the used record. I mean, I mean, we knew Goldfinger as well, but I was, I was like, I didn't really know if he could make records or not. He wasn't as big of a producer at the time. So 
it was like, well, fuck yeah, we'll record with the guy from Goldfinger. This is great, whatever. Um, but I had no idea, like, the genius of how good he actually was in the time. And, um, yeah, we went in with a few songs and he kept being like, same thing, go write more, go write more. Um, but we had Until the Day I Die already pretty much the way it is. It was a little different structure. He, uh, he encouraged us to shorten a couple things up and put things in the right places and stuff. Uh, so yeah, he, he's very vocal about like, uh, nope, that sucks. Don't do that. That sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> like he won't beat around. He's just like, you're like, dude, I love this part. Nope. That shit sucks. Don't do that. Like he knows exactly what is going to be good and what's not. So, uh, that was our first time ever hearing that kind of feedback. You know, as 21 year old kids, I was like, oh no, yeah, fuck that. I love that part. <laughs> he was right though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was there any resistance there as well? Because I remember the first time I, I worked with like a proper producer and he was like, I don't like that song. And I was like, boys, fuck this dude. He's going to fucking ruin our band. Yeah, you don't know shit. And then uh, it turns out he was exactly fucking right with everything yeah. he said. So, um, yeah, was there, was there any resistance or? Yeah, we, th- we always thought we were right. You know, we were young and dumb. And, uh, and sometimes it's, it's fine to fight for an idea if you love it. It's fine, you know, but. Uh, but yes, that is one of the reasons why we didn't record our second record with him because we thought like he was trying to ruin our band. And I was like, no, he's just actually making us good. Uh, so on our second record, we recorded with uh, Steve Evitz and uh, he kind of just let us do exactly what we wanted. He's, he's an amazing producer as well and he's awesome. But uh, it was the opposite you know, version of that. It was like, let's make a heavy record and not worry about if, it's, if anybody's going to like it. We just did exactly what we wanted. Um, but both things are really cool. But we've realized we need some direction for sure. And then John Feldman was, was very instrumental in making us guiding our sound to, to what we are at all. We didn't know what, what the hell we should sound like then either. You know, <laughs> did he have any, um, did he pull out any of his weird recording techniques at the time? Uh, yeah, I think so. We did a lot of weird shit. Uh, we recorded in a bedroom in his house. It was just like a little small house, um, that us and the used recorded in this tiny bedroom corner drum set in the corner, same drum set, same everything. That's why our first, both of our first records sound very similar, like uh, audio wise. You know, everybody used to be like, "You guys sound like the same band." I was like, we're, "We don't," but we recorded everything on the same exact shit. So, yeah, that was just how we did it at the time, just in a little tiny bedroom. So, yeah, he would always. He John Feldman's a madman. He would just do the weirdest shit. I'm like, "What are you doing?" It's like, like, no, it's gonna sound cool. It's gonna sound cool. Trust, trust me. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah because i remember i remember listening to that second um the used record and all of a sudden there's there's an acoustic song and then all of a sudden there's a they've made a some sort of drum loop out of a reversing a bicycle being pedaled and i was like what the fuck is what's going on yeah where's where's the bike come from <laughs> whose bike is that yeah. yeah he would always do something like that like uh i remember taking a microphone in to the tv and like recording stuff off of the tv just and then like he would reverse it and uh, a couple of things they're like buried on our first record like that like and i don't even know what it's from it's just like people talking in some other language and then it's reversed and he's like it'll sound cool trust me so he's great at that kind of stuff like just the weird the weird ear candy stuff it's awesome <laughs> a mad genius definitely a mad genius but speaking of all that uh 2023 is actually the 20th anniversary of page avenue and you know we should say certified platinum album by the way that's uh, that's nothing to be to be shy congratulations about. congratulations <laughs> i'm gonna wear it around my around my neck like a necklace like flavor flavor <laughs> giant giant platinum record oh, in case you um, didn't know 
in the frame or are you going to take the platinum <laughs> album out to the frame and then put a chain on it? Uh, the whole frame. Whole frame. Yeah. yeah. Whole oh, frame. nice. Ooh. What is some of your earliest memories of just like that cycle and all the crazy things happening for the band for the first time where you didn't all have to work in pizza shops or whatever and it was actually like dreams were coming true? Yeah, man. Uh, it's crazy. 20 years. I, I, I don't even feel like my brain is 20 years old still, but um, I'm I'm still very immature, but it was uh it 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 it's it flew by, and I and like I said, we never thought that we were gonna do much of anything with with anything. We just wanted to get signed and and be a band and try to tour a little bit. You know, I didn't think that 20 years later uh, we'd still be talking about the same songs and like that they would have that kind of impact on anybody. So um, I don't know. It was it was it was all a whirlwind of craziness. And people were like, "Did you notice like that the, until the day I die I was get big on radio and stuff?" I was like, "No, we were just playing a show every day." And then the next day, maybe the show got bigger. And like, "Oh, this club's big. Hope we can fill this up." And then people showed up. And you never know when you're in the moment. It's just you're just going and hoping that things are working. And then eventually, when you take a break ten years later because you yell at the crowd, uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you look. <laughs> <laughs> you look back and you go, "Oh wow, we've done a lot of shit. This is awesome." It's 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 crazy, and it just keeps going. Hopefully, well, the fortieth anniversary, we'll be talking about this again. In the yeah, gonna have to yeah, I can't see there being many backflips at the fortieth oh. anniversary. <laughs> you wait, wheelchairs, <laughs> walkers, it's gonna be sick. <laughs> yeah, we probably say now, we probably will have some sort of anti gravity suit by then, I guess. Yeah, so true. you never know. Like That's Ryan true. could be midday just spinning for hours. He's gone! He's gone, guys! Get him down! Get him down! <laughs> He's taken off! Uh, I feel like that was always a running joke in the scene as well, of just like your live performances, that there was always going to oh, be best. some mad backflip, or yeah. that you were going to do something weird with the crowd or whatever. I mean, where did all that come from? Was it just being skateboard kids and like knowing tricks and stuff and being like, we want to incorporate the two, or feeding off the crowd? What What was it? Yeah, I, I don't know. We uh, like... Before we were even any good at instruments, we knew that like if we go out and like just go crazy and like just do the weirdest shit, people are going to like us no matter what, you know? So, it was partially just uh, our self-conscious like brain being like, okay, be crazy so people will laugh. It's like class clown kind of thing, you know? But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, we grew up loving punk rock bands and stuff and I always loved the high energy of, of just like going to a show and people are sweating and jumping off things and that's obviously way cooler than standing there and... And, uh, you know, just being sad, bored on stage. So, so yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was just something that we, we did in the early days. And then we had to up ourselves every time. It's like, oh, how do we do more? What else do we do? What else can we jump off? How do, what, what can we explode on stage? Can we burn things? You know, <laughs> just trying to one up yourselves constantly. And now, uh, 20 years later, we still put as much energy in as we can, but living up to some of that shit is like, oh, wow. We we were really we were pretty crazy, yeah. <laughs> Those damn youngsters. I don't think I can do that anymore. But no, we still we still have a great time. It's in different ways now. Yeah, when when we were lucky enough to tour with you, um Emma, who's uh sneakily on the call, you won't cheer her on the call, but she is here. <laughs> she, she, she yeah, she asked us if um if we were about and available for it. And uh we were off our album cycle at the time and um I remember us all going, fucking right, let's go and tour with them just because we loved, we'd seen like live shows and stuff online. And I remember downloading like videos of you guys doing, I think it was like an MTV hard rock thing and you were doing um, New Noise. You did New Noise. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, re 
I remember downloading that on like LimeWire or fucking Napster or whatever that was at the time. And I just, I would do that with these bands I'd hear snippets of and then I'd see the videos and I was like, Jesus Christ, this band is incredible. And I remember that being a massive factor in how, how good and entertaining you were live. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I watch back. I watch back on some of those, especially that hard rock one that's like on YouTube and stuff still. Um, and I, I, it just wears me out watching it now. I'm like, whoa, like what the fuck? What were we doing? How did how did we have this much energy? How how am I breathing and singing? Like, yeah, what's yeah. going on? Yeah, I'm like, because I, I try to focus on singing better nowadays than I used to. But but yeah, I I don't know. It was it was madness. And even even for myself who was there, it's still weird to look at. It's like whoa. Have you um, ever had any feedback off anybody from Refused? Um, not really. Uh, we we met a couple of them here and there. Uh, uh, when uh, when Dennis was in International Noise Conspiracy, we did stuff on Warp Tour together, and you know we would talk every once in a while. But no, uh, we're always kind of we're still the timid, like scared people with with the people you really look up to. You know, like I want to say hi, but I don't really want to be friends with these people. You know, it's like. Just in case you don't want it to ruin anything, but but he, he's awesome as far as you know hanging out. The brief times we have hung out, but yeah, I only ask that because on our friend's podcast, uh, he was on there talking about um, how he was once watching Friday Night Lights and a um, he heard a song and he was like, "Oh, I think this is my band." And then he he said, he said something like, "Oh, it turned out to be like a shit copy of Refused." And that was my band. <laughs> no. Fucking brilliant. So I bust in to have him on here just yeah, so I can go, hiya. Yeah. Sorry about spoiling Friday Night Lights for you. <laughs> I think we were we were on something on that as well. I think we were in like a trailer or something for that, for the movie, not the show. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, I thought I was like, man, is he going to say my band right now? Shit. No, no, my fucking bad. Yeah, oh, I wear it as a badge of honor. I'll wear it as a badge. Of, a shit refuse. Jesus Christ, we shouldn't be shouldn't be mentioned in the same. We should be ref, yeah. We should be refused to ever go near refused. Hey. Well, yeah, that should just be your slogan. Shit refuse. <laughs> the blackout. They're back. The shit refuse too. Yes. Where where is the uh, weirdest place you've heard the story of the year song? Or just anything like a reference or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't happen as much now. But in the early days, it would be on every like we never knew because we signed a publishing deal in the early days, and uh, so they would just put it on everything, and they didn't have to mm. ask us, you know. So uh, I would be playing like a football video game, you know, something that is just like I don't know. I'm just playing it, and all of a sudden, this, until the day I die comes on, and you're like, <laughs> I'm on this game. <laughs> I, and I think I think it was even like second record, like a song that's not big at all, and. I was like, what? Is this my band? Like, what is happening? Yeah, it's really weird. But uh, it, it rarely happens anymore. But every once in a while, I, there was a show called One Tree Hill. And mm. uh, I did, uh, we, uh, Sidewalks was like on the, on the, the soundtrack or whatever. But, uh, but evidently, I've never really watched the show. But uh, the one girl in the show, she has a Story of the Year poster on her wall, like the entirety of the series. And I was like, oh, that's still there the entire time? So like, everybody said, yeah. But just weird stuff like that. But yeah, it was just all label and publishing people just pushing it. Yeah. I remember that from back in the day, like when I think it was from one tree and I would just pause it and scan the bedroom for like bands, bands, posters and stickers and stuff. I knew and I was like, fuck the story of the year, the descendants labels were just always getting stuff placed in TV shows. And you know that nobody on that show liked any of that music or, you know, 
nobody listened to any of that. It's just somebody somebody who worked on it is like, I'm putting this on the wall. Cool. <laughs> yeah, but the crossover is always a, a really cool thing to see. And speaking of all that, I mean, this is a really nerdy, deep cut question, right? For something yeah, I always wanted to ask. Um, you In the 2010s, you guys did the theme tune for WWE wrestler Christian that was Just Close Your Eyes. And that was an absolute banger, by the way. I'm surprised that was never on one of your records or you released it as your own single or anything like that. How does that process work? Was that like a leftover song that you had for something? Or did WWE call you up and be like, can you write us something for this person? Like, what is the whole deal with that? Um, well, that's why we did, or this is why we didn't put it on anything. Cause, uh, it was, it was already a song that he was already using as his theme song. So we just came in and like reworked it. So like we oh. didn't write it at all. Um, so it was a really weird, like random. We knew a guy who worked for WWE and he called and he's like, Hey, uh, this week, will you record this song? And like, he was like, here it is. You've never heard it before. But, uh, so we literally like went in the studio like a day and a half, just like, okay, uh, we had to learn the song figure out a way to make it kind of sound like story of the year. And then it was like such a crazy in the moment kind of thing. And uh, yeah, a lot of people love it and it, it is really cool, but, but yeah, it's not like technically a story of the year song. So it's kind of mm. weird whenever people love it. And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, it's a cool thing that we did. But they like gave us like a minimal amount of money. They're just like, here, go in and do this. And so, you know, some dude who writes everybody's theme or, you know, everybody's theme song. There's like one guy at the WWE who writes everything. Evidently Jim Johnson. Mm. And, yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah, we, it's just a random thing that we did really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Trust it. Yeah. Trust a TV person to be like, Oh yeah. Can you, uh, can you learn <laughs> and write and uh, rewrite and record this on within a week? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Piece of piss, man. It's easy. You're like, wow, fuck it. we'll do it. Fine. Yeah. Studios coming out of our asses, man. We can't move <laughs> for studios. Yeah. And it was, it was before it was like super easy to do everything at home. You know, now everybody has studio shit at home, but we had to like go to a real studio and do it. It was just crazy. Did they pay for the recording then? Yeah, yeah, they they paid for that, and then we got we all got a couple hundred bucks or whatever. It was uh, nothing crazy, but uh, yeah, a Vince McMahon's money, <laughs> lovely. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I've always I've always wondered that. But do you ever get um like wrestling fans requesting that song live, and you're like, no, oh, not really. Yeah, <laughs> like, a lot what? of people, a lot of people say it all the time, and and since it's like 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 I described, it's like we're not yeah. we. I don't dislike it, but it's just like, okay, yeah, I don't, it's not like something that we'll probably ever really play or anything, mm. but, but a lot of people got into us because of that. And it, it's definitely something that people like. So, you know, maybe we have to re, re look at this again. I don't know. Ooh. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. With all those, uh, of stories back in the day as well. I mean, we always love hearing people talking about a moment that really surprised them if it was kind of meeting one of their idols for the first time or playing a gig or anything like that where you just kind of had to step back and thought wow how is this uh, happening to us was, was there anything over the years that really springs to mind when you just think of, of it all like connecting or sinking in and and realizing this is what you actually do yeah i mean that happens a lot uh i think the first time that technically ever happened was when we toured with Linkin Park uh, in 2004. And weirdly enough, like I, I wasn't a big Linkin Park fan at the time, um, but, but they offered us a tour and everybody was like, yeah, we got to do that. It's great. And I was like, man, I don't know if I like Linkin Park. You know, I was like such an idiot. 
Like we weren't, we, we, we could get like 200 people to show up and they could get 15,000 people to show up. And I'm questioning whether or not we support them. I got the same story, but yeah, carry on. I got the exact same story, but carry on. Sorry. Then we go on the tour and, and they're the, they were the best fucking dudes of all time. And like, just taught us so much about how to tour and how to be a band, like a real band, you know? Um, and yeah, such a crazy, awesome experience. But to think that like, I was negative about it and I didn't think that we should do it. You know, I'm like, what's wrong with me? But yeah, uh, there's been a lot of those, you know, we toured with Deftones uh, a couple years later uh, and that's always been one of our collectively as a band, like one of our favorite bands. So that was amazing, you know, but we'd play festivals with just crazy, amazing bands and, you know, every day I'm like, how, how are we here? How is this, how is this happening? It's awesome. Is there, is there anyone you've, uh, you've met that you, you've thought you'd never be allowed to be near? Uh, you know, musicians are all just musicians, you know, like, the only time I'm ever like, whoa, it's like if you meet actors and stuff, but, but that's, that's rare. I, I should, I don't know. Uh, well, just the other couple of weeks ago, I, I met uh, Machine Gun Kelly. He's totally cool nowadays, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, we played a, we played some radio show with him and, uh, he had like 75 security guards around him, but I was like, Hey, dude, uh, I'm Dan from Story of the Year. And he's like, Oh, fuck yeah, Story of the Year. And he said the same thing about the Hard Rock Live video. It's like, dude, I watch that video all the time. So I, I, I have, it's a humble brag. I got to say that Machine Gun Kelly thinks the story of the year is cool still. So, but Megan Fox wasn't there. She was there, but she wasn't there whenever I talked to him. So I missed well, out. Oh, that is a shame. <sighs> yeah. Are they, are they more good than broken up? Uh, I, oh, yes. I don't. I don't know. It was uh, yes, no, maybe something about them being in counseling. I don't know. I remember seeing something about that too. We're yeah. like we're like uh, we're like the hot gossip news right now. And now for the Kardashian segment. No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. I brought I brought in Machine Gun Kelly into the story. That's fine. Yeah, that, yeah we've derailed us. Now that's it. Yeah, we've turned into fucking TMZ. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. We talked about a uh, warp tour earlier on, and again, I feel like you guys were one of those staple bands that many of the. Uh, uh, of the years uh, back in the day. I mean, how important do you think it was for like the mixture of all those scenes to have something big like that and for a lot of friends to kind of tour together and, and do that kind of stuff? Do, do you feel like things like when we were young festival now, it, it's important to, to have something like that and fill that gap in a way? Yeah, I think so. I, it was very important for us, for sure. You know, that that was like, that kind of made our career like being that band that can do warp tour and like just be big on warp tour that was like a quite the thing you know and i remember like back in those days there was like warp tour bands and there was like ozfest bands or whatever there was like the two worlds so like a lot of bands would be like i can't i don't want to do warp tour i don't want to end up being a warp tour band you know but you know, we were like yeah this is us this is us we want to be on this um and it was it was always amazing for us and yeah when we just did the when we were young fest thing it, it was exactly the same vibe like on a more exaggerated scale, it's a little bigger, but but yeah, like the backstage and the hanging out with bands, it was it was exactly the same. And most of those bands had been on Warp Tour while we were on it as well. So uh, we we it was like a high school reunion for us, just seeing a bunch of people we hadn't seen in fifteen years. But uh, but yeah, that's that stuff is really important to get those kind of bands all together. I think it just it, it introduces some people to newer bands or you know or bands to other bands, you know. But it's awesome. I think it's great. The festival world is. It's it's a different thing than like going to a club show. Obviously, you get a half hour set, and it's like it's kind of you don't get the best show from a band on something like that. But 
but you get to see a lot of bands and it's fun. You guys ever cross over and do those odd Ozfest festivals? Because I'd imagine you could have. We could have. I mean, like, uh, like not fest that we're getting ready to do. It's basically the same idea. But, uh, but no, we didn't do Ozfest back in the day ever. I know the U's did did Ozfest and Warp Tour. There was few bands that would do both. It was really a weird. And I'm just now remembering that. Like, I forgot that that was a whole thing back in the day. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel for you seeing? Like yourselves included, and a lot of your friends reach not only milestones of like those 20th anniversary tours or whatever, but then be also introduced to a whole new generation of people who are checking you out for the first time, who are hearing that you're influenced, you were, you were influences for their new younger bands and all that. Is it quite weird to see all your friends still getting that popularity even, even now? Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, I w- I've been thinking about this like 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 eighties metal bands. You know, there there was like you know that they all kind of went away when grunge happened. But then I feel like it was like around twenty years later, like it all came back around, and then Motley Crue goes back out, and they're like huge again. You know, I just feel like maybe this there's like this cycle in rock music where like things have waves, and uh, every and then twenty years come around, and then obviously this kind of music is back and doing a lot more than it was for a lot of years. Um, so it is weird and. And I, I never thought that any of us would do it for this long, but, but yeah, it's awesome to uh, see anybody who's still together and still pulling it off after that many years, and uh, including ourselves. I'm just, I can't believe that we can still do all of this. But yeah, I'm going to do it forever. I'm never going to stop unless unless people f- refuse to come see us. Shitty refused to come see us. Uh, (laughs) What? No, that's my band. You cheeky. Yeah, you're not having that. You're not having that. That's mine now. You can't say it. Dennis specifically said my band is the shitty refused. Yeah. So the Blackouts getting back together, and we're doing Download Festival this year in the UK. I might get a T-shirt that says "Shitty Refused" written on it. Gotta go for it. I'm gonna write down "Shitty Refused" so I remember uh, it. Shitty. In your personal opinion, is there any of those bands you know that you've toured with many times that you feel were a little underrated or didn't get the uh, attention they deserve? Yeah, there was. I don't know. Yeah, there was a lot of them. I mean, our very first tour that we did like, as soon as Page Avenue was done. Uh, we went out with the used thrice, my chemical romance, and us. Like, uh, Fucking hell. Fuck, what, that's one, a tour? Oh, one lineup. That was our <laughs> first tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were Jeez. opening. My, my chem was two of four, thrice, and then the used was headlining. And uh it was weird because there was only like it was like five hundred capacity clubs, you know, it was like nobody knew any of these bands at the time, uh, other than the used. The used record had come out and thrice was on illusion of safety, so they weren't they weren't as big as they later became, you know. So and my chem like nobody they were they were brand new and so were we so yeah uh we did like two months of that tour to like small rooms you know and it's just so crazy to think about how different that would be now but i don't know if any of them are underrated but i would say that once my chem started getting tracked and we toured with them a few times after that as well but once they actually started getting big i was like okay they deserve it because they are legitimately the weird band that they say they are and they're like weird vampire kids and uh and I always, I always thought like, no, they're not just doing that as a fad. That's just how they are. They're, they're like comic book guys, you know? Um, so I always thought that was great that they were the band that got the biggest out of that scene, you know? Um, but there was always a bunch of bands that were great that just didn't, didn't make it either because 
they all hated each other and broke up or <laughs> usually if the band's great and they stay together and do things, they're, they're usually going to get the recognition. But a lot of bands can't survive uh, being in a vehicle together for 300 days a year and uh, being married to five guys or whatever. It's, uh, it's not easy being in a band. Yeah. Well, on that note, is there anything being on the low on those long journeys in, in very tight capacities that you all kind of agreed to, to do? Is there anything that kind of just helped you keep sane over the years you've noticed? Ah, uh, no, you, you go insane <laughs> either way. I'm trying to think like, yeah, what makes it easier? Nothing really. Uh, uh, I didn't, I used to be straight edge for the, a lot of the early years and I didn't drink or do anything, but uh, I found that uh, now that I do drink, it makes touring a little more palatable uh, or harder at the same time. But yeah, uh, you can just, you can work your way through anything. If you're like, I don't know, let's just go and we'll get drunk and it'll be fun, you know? So maybe alcohol, but then that's not, then, then it just, you feel like shit every day. So then that's not fun either. So then it's a battle. It's always a battle. There's no good way. You just got to power through things. <laughs> how long, um, yeah. How long were you, uh, straight edge for because I, uh, I did i had i had 10 years i think and then uh, i uh i had never drank or anything until my mid-20s somewhere in there um so, so all the all the page avenue days and everything uh yeah me and uh adam our bass player we we were the straight edge kids but then i was like this is it, it got a little weird like it, it got too christian bandy bandy and like it just changed the whole 90s straight edge hardcore movement it like totally changed in the 2000s and i was just like not that I ever like claimed real hard being straight edge or anything, and I wasn't out there like yelling at people for drinking or doing whatever they wanted. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's how I was as well. Like I just, I just, I just didn't need it for myself because well, I, I think I, prior to going straight. Oh yeah, you. Oh, wait, Morgan's, <laughs> I just realized Morgan's oh, still. Still. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. Never, never smoked anything. Never drank anything. Never. Whatever, yeah, just never smiled. He's never had a good time. <laughs> he's never chilled out. He's never been no. really happy. He's never had the munchies, you know. Just never constantly. had fun, not once. No, yeah. well, that's, uh, that's why I do this. Someone's got to be serious yeah. on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somebody's got to keep this thing together here. Come on, yeah. very much true. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy that I that that was you know what I was doing at that time because I was I was focused on playing music and working and. But uh, yeah, you know, now I just do whatever. Do you remember the first time you broke edge, as the kids used to say? Uh, kind of. Not. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think I had a white Russian uh, with my wife because because uh, I love the Big Lebowski, and I was like, if I'm gonna start drinking, I'm drinking a white. Or I'm drinking a Caucasian dude. The dude is right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that was the first real drink I had. I don't know. I would always like steal people's drinks and try things, but. It's, it's been a long time and it's weird to think about now. I haven't even thought about that <laughs> in a long time. Oh. It's weird that you, yeah, like a white Russian to break edge. Um, what was mine? Bailey's. Mine was a Bailey's. Oh, Bailey's, yeah. <laughs> went real hard. Yeah. Yeah, my, my friend went, um, what do you want to drink? And I was like, I'll have a Coke, please. And he came back and he was like, Bailey's. And I was like, ugh. And I drank three of them in Japan. And... um Somehow I got back to my hotel. I got drunk of three Baileys, which is pathetic. Absolutely yeah, pathetic. That's almost impossible, but yes, good job. But, but I, I woke up in the morning in my bed and I was like, how did I get back? Like, if I drink Baileys, am I fluent in Japanese? Because I don't know. Because <laughs> somehow oh, I've got home. Yeah. I got in a cab. I told him where to go. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, here we are. Well, Dan, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. And as we start to wind down on the conversation a little bit, I mean, obviously you've talked very passionately about this new record, Tear Me to Pieces, but what's one thing you really hope people take away from the new material when they get a chance to listen to it now? Is, is there anything in particular that you're, you're extremely fond of, you're really happy about, or you just kind of hope that uh, people realize? I think it's I think it's just a a great progression for us. I mean, it's got the energy of our old stuff, but uh, but you know, it's like in a new modern way. And uh, I'm really happy that we could kind of mend those two things together because you want to keep the essence of what we do, but you always want to progress and you know move forward too. So I think we really captured that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I'm excited. I think it's it's definitely one of our better record, one of our best records, maybe our best. Who knows? But you always think your new record is the best thing ever, but. Mm. But I can tell that this one, it's, it's got some, some special stuff to it. And, uh, yeah, we're just, I'm just, I can't believe that we're, that we're putting out decent music still. So, uh, I'm just happy to be here. Nice. Nice. And you're going to have a, a very busy time touring, as you said, Australia soon. Uh, you've got that whole lineup with yellow card as well. Uh, anything else we can expect when we, uh, maybe see you in the UK sometime soon as well? What's, we, what's we're going working on? on it. We've been trying and trying. Uh, for some reason, it's impossible for Americans to get over there and, and make money or evidently, but, <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, yeah, we, we've had a few offers and a few things that almost worked out. And, um, uh, I don't know if I should even say things, but a funeral for a friend is doing a thing that we were almost on and we really tried to make it work. Oh. But, um, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, no, we don't have anything booked yet that we're trying to do. So, yeah, we got plans. We're working on it. We'll get there as soon as we can. Well, yes, please come over ASAP. Yes, um, please. But yeah, thank you very, very much for this. Thank you for giving us your time. Uh, thank you for the music. Thank you for the inspiration over the years. And um, just genuinely, just thank you for existing. Wow. Thank you for enjoying it and uh, and being part of the journey in a, in a way, you know. Thank you for being the shitty refused. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> there we are. There we are. Thank you so much, Dan. Very nice I to meet no you. Problem, guys. You too. Hopefully, we'll be over there and we'll hang soon. Hopefully. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Don't know why I wear Mexican then. Um, apologies to any Mexicans listening. Um, but how good was that chat with Damasala? <laughs> it was. It was very, very good. I'm glad we could finally get him on. And it's nice to see the band back, excited for everything and doing crazy things from touring with Slipknot to Yellow Card. So much going on. I can't believe that they were supposed to be on this upcoming tour with Funeral for a Friend and Dashboard Confessional, and we're not seeing three of them together. It's a good tour nonetheless, but I need some story of the year in my life. uh, life Very much so. I know all of the promoters in the UK listen to this, so get story (laughs) of the year over soon, for fuck's sake. The new album is class, the new videos are great, and they are lovely chaps. Get them over here, man. Fucking get them over here. If only there was a band touring potentially later in the year who could mm. probably offer them. Um, I can't think of anyone. Anyway, yes, great episode. Great episode. Thank you very much to Dan <laughs> and Emma Van Dytes for sorting us out. It was great to see him again, and he is a legend. Yes, the new album, Tear Me to Pieces, is available everywhere now, so go and check it out. Go and pick up a copy. And if you do live in the States... Go and check out the uh, US tour dates. As I mentioned earlier, the vigil for 2005 is bloody wonderful. The trip down memory lane. And if you are interested in more of Story of the Year's history, John Feldman, the legendary producer, is a former guest of the podcast on episode 99. Yes, 99 Red Balloons. Uh huh. It all fits together. Go back and listen to that. And also, former member of the band. Philip Moon Sneed is episode 101. So if you want some extra stories uh, with that as well, go and check that out. Very busy time just behind the scenes in general. We're recording a yeah. lot of stuff. We're getting a lot of stuff ready. Festival season's fast approaching. So we should probably make a move <laughs> on that. But uh, Punk Rock Factory tour dates, there's, there's a couple left that you're going to be DJing yes. on. Uh, tell us about them, Sean. Yes, 24th and 25th of March, the end of this month. Um, I am in Liverpool Academy, I believe it is, with Punk Rock Factory. I'm DJing there at this show and singing with a couple of bands who are playing. And then 25th in Cardiff University, I think the tickets, they're about to take them off sale because they've got obviously got a massive guest list because friends and family are coming to the Cardiff show. So Cardiff University... Um, I'm DJing there and singing with some bands. And then after it, I'm DJing at Metro's nightclub on the Saturday. So come along to that. That should be a laugh. Um, that'll be straight after the Punk Rock Factory show in Cardiff. Ooh, fancy, fancy, fancy. Ooh, ooh I got another thing. Ooh. April ah. 1st, April 1st, my band Raiders are supporting a band called Valhalla Awaits. We've just been on tour with those damn crows around the UK. Um, Valhalla Awaits features members of um, a band called Revoker and the uh, drummer from the Blackout Snoz, who everybody loves. So my band Raiders are playing that show April the 1st. It's not a fucking April Fool's joke. 
at the Red House in Merthyr Tidville. Apparently, tickets are running low. I don't believe them. <laughs> I think there's got to be about 300 tickets left. I keep saying 80% of tickets sold. Unless that's, they're having a gig with six people in, I don't think that's true. So um, please come along to it, because I'm um, kind of worried about it. But we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. And also Delore are opening, D-E-L-O-U-R, very, very good band from South Wales. So check them out as well. Ooh, a lot going on. Uh, keep up to date with everything to do with the podcast at Sapman Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well, because we might have a few things, uh, exciting things to announce very soon. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Who knows? Um, but let us know some guest suggestions. Who do you want to hear on the podcast in the future? At Sapman Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And please, for the love of God, if you enjoy us, if you like us, if you tolerate us even just a little bit, please head over to patreon.com forward slash sapnin support the podcast support us and get involved with our wonderful community of people that we love legends. so so much absolute legends who have been very very supportive of us well for since we started this fucking podcast really but over the last couple of months um when we've needed um to step back a bit uh, in moments they've been very very supportive so thank you very much to everyone who's already a patreon um it doesn't go unnoticed we love you very very much and yes, like he said, get in touch with us at Sapnipod. Give us suggestions. Suggestions. Ah, he's combined words. That's what he's done. He's there. combined it. That's right. He's combined <laughs> words. Professional podcast talkers. <laughs> combined We've combined it. And anyway, these people, the next names I'm about to mention are the elite members of our podcast who are a part of the higher tiers and all of them combined keep this podcast going. <laughs> so let's say all their names combined right now. Anyway, thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi, I'm a golden god, leave away. Weird middle name, but fair enough. Thank you very much. Janelle Castan, Paul Hirschfield, Scarlett Charlton, Tony Michael, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Ewing, Nathan Croshaw, Mitch Perry, Emma Barber, Sammy G, Kat Bess, and Dana Lasnava, Murray Grimwood, Jenny Robinson, Scott Jones, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Stuart McNaught, Stephen Aston, Caroline Robinson, Kate Patak, Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, Jenny Munster, James McNaught, Kelly Cannon, Jason Aredia, John and Emma, Emily Perry, M. Evans Roberts, Craig Harris, Kalida Keane, Ollie Ainsbury, Adam King of the Goss Parslow. Check out his band of nightmares. They are class and doing very, very well. Josh, RIP Mystic Meg. Bet she didn't see that coming crisp. Of course she didn't. Mystics are not a real thing. Thank you very much, Alice Wood, Reese Bowden, Kit Stevenson, Kyle David Smith, and Connor Lewins. Woo, we appreciate every single person in our Patreon community. It seriously helps make this each and every week. And they're just wonderful people to hear from, talk to, and get involved with. So come and join the family. Patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Uh, another great episode from one of the staples of the seeing story of the year. Uh, check back next Friday and every Friday for a special guest and more of these ramblings and combined words. Combined We combined our powers, and this is what <laughs> we've come up with. This is the best we could come up with. I, apologies. <laughs> apologies. Sapnin. <laughs> ah, ah. Sapnin. Thought we could have gone on and done some sort of weird harmony and turned into Queen, but uh, we didn't.
You're listening to Sapling Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>